Oh yeah, you're you're in the right place. Ah, oh, it's just a change for me. Welcome to Dixon Jane's. Oh 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 Welcome to Baby Sally Talks. Or Baby Sally. Baby Sally. What the hell? Let's get rid of the talks now. Let's shorten it down. <laughs> Welcome to Baby Sally. Episode 13. Yeah, Baby Sally. <laughs> I explained that to somebody and they got it. They got it. We'll tell you about that later. Episode 13 and uh, coming to you live from Morningside Park. It's a glorious Saturday afternoon, uh, June 13th. And, uh, oh my gosh, five weeks from now, I'm going to have 32 students here to be looking after. And I'm not ready yet. Ooh. But I'm not going to do anything while I'm sitting here in Morningside Park. So let's drop that, put that aside until I'm in a position where I can do something, which is find six more placements for my uh, visiting girls. I have... Uh, homes for 26 of them and six are without and uh, I've got to come up with those families very very soon but uh, like I said can't do anything about it right now so let's let's carry on with the day it's a weird Saturday uh, my wife went off to see a friend and I, and I thought wonderful good a Japanese friend they can speak Japanese they can be Japanese and uh have a nice time hiking, walking, eating, shopping, whatever it is they're going to do today. And, of course, that frees me of any guilt of not doing anything around the house. Normally I'm watching my wife vacuum, clean, scrub, plant, trim, break, any number of things. I know it makes me sound like a real loser, but uh, we all have our specialties. And uh, what I did today was... Go out to our new deck. We have for the uh, not unreasonable price, I realize now, of $7,500, a brand new deck. Good for another 20 years. And uh, it'll, it'll outlive us, I'm sure. Or me, anyway. Uh, it's wonderful. It's They did a professional job. If anybody is having any deck or fence work in the greater Toronto area, call me and I'll give you the name. Uh, I'll give it to you right now. How about the... Uh, Flan, F-L-A-N-N, Google Flan Fence and Deck. And boy, these guys are professionals, and they delivered what they promised and in a timely manner, and right down to the every detail. It was quality workmanship. Team of four guys, including the son of the owner. Anyway, uh, so I said i got to try out my new deck since it was raining yesterday and got into one of these, you know, these anti-gravity chairs... With my Pierre Burton, Pierre Burton book called My Times, and I'm just loving it. I, I I started at around 1958. I didn't want to go through his childhood up in Dawson City. I've read a lot of that stuff before. I, I love Pierre Burton, a Canadian writer, if you're not familiar, who popularized Canadian history with the stories of the Klondike, the National Spike, our great railway, and any number of books. He was a, a, a real character. The last we saw Pierre Burton was uh, doing a very short plug on a TV show of how to roll a marijuana cigarette. And this is a guy in his 70s, 80s, I guess, by then, shortly before he died, how to roll a marijuana cigarette. And the next scene, he, he shows it perfectly, and the, the the scene cuts just as he's about to light light it up. And then the next scene, you see him 
by walking in with a bag of popcorn, <laughs> munching away. Oh, it was beautiful. He was outspoken. He was a great Canadian. Uh, Dave, Dave Broadbeck would call him a hack, I'm sure. <laughs> I love the man. And it is, as I've said so many times before, one of my greatest sorrows that I never met him personally and could tell him my Yukon Gold story. I got myself a $1 McDonald's iced coffee, vanilla flavor. It's very, very good. I got a folding uh, chair out of the trunk of the car. So anyway, it was this Saturday... And uh, I just got into that reclining chair with my uh, Pierre Burton book and then thought, no, I don't even feel like reading. I'll listen to podcasts. So I listened to my good friend John Meadows, who does a wonderful podcast on any number of topics. John, who's in severe pain right now because of a, a back problem that happened towards the end of his holiday, which is a horrible thing to have happen, you know. Have to be wheeled off a boat and uh, <laughs> just lucky like in the old days they would have just tossed him overseas over the side of the deck and uh, bye bye Johnny. But anyway, uh, he does a, a fine podcast and uh, I listened to it three times because I kept dozing off, um, which says something about the wonderful voice John has, of course, about the quality of his podcast. And then I said, you know, Ken, you really should do something today, you really should make an effort. Uh, how about getting that wheelbarrow your wife wants for Father's Day? So I googled and uh, read the reviews for the cheapest one on Canadian Tire, and uh, all the reviews said, don't buy this piece of shit. It's going to break on you. The wheel will come off. The handles will snap. And uh, so that was good to read. And uh, I realized, no, well, I won't get the $59 one, but nor do I want to pay 139 either. So I'm going to have to do a little more shopping there. And the funny thing about it is, of course, my wife will be using it. But she does a lot of, uh, she does the gardening and uh, does a fine job of it. Uh, since we've moved in, it's completely been redone uh, any number of times. Um, so that was uneventful. I did not, I looked at them, but did not buy one. But I did buy a carbon monoxide smoke detector, which had been on my to-do list possibly for a year and when I saw one, I said, you know, why don't you buy it now and then give it to your son to do as a chore to have him melt that thing in the basement. So I did that. So that was productive. You know, it was something worthwhile. And then I went grocery shopping, um, yeah, which is all the frozen food is sitting in the trunk of my car. But eh, no problem there. Not going to be here all day. And then said, what you need now is one of those McCafe's iced coffees and uh, a nice place to sit. And that's, uh, that takes us right to the present moment. Now, if I seem to be wandering a little bit or very casual about this, that's exactly what I intended to do. Because, as you know, I've been feeling a little bit uh, mm, confined in this podcast, and I'm really, really working on loosening it up. And I think what might happen is maybe Sally might turn into Dixon Janes, and and that wouldn't be a bad thing. You know, I still I will it will remain baby Sally, but the thing I liked about Dixon Janes was um, I gave myself up to an hour, and I don't want to do that to you. I do want to aim to keep it, you know, thirty, forty minutes at most, if if possible. Um, 
I probably will not be recording stoned and drunk. I, you know, been there, done that. Don't need to do that anymore. But I, I felt I had to hold the listener's attention. I had to have a topic. I had to have something um, important, at least to me, to share. And as of this point, right now, today, I'm trying to let that go as well. Because what I liked so much about the other podcast was that I could just ramble on and uh, and hope that the things I covered might be of interest. And, and if I let myself ramble on, I, I invariably did come, a, come on to something that meant something to me, had some value. So let me try that. Uh, it's been a good week. I went to a movie last night with my son called Tokyo Tribe, possibly... Uh, certainly in the worst top ten or top ten worst movies I've ever seen. Empire of the Ants was pretty bad, and, and, and I was stoned for that one. This one was a manga, Japanese manga, set to motion, basically. When I look back at it from today's perspective, I think, well, you know, it wasn't that bad. They, they did what they had to do. But as you watched the movie, you were very aware you were reading a manga magazine, and each character was like a larger-than-life character. So they, they pulled it off well. But it's a certain genre, and, and I'm not a big manga fan, especially these were pretty violent and vulgar. Uh, and so, anyway, we, we did it. It was at the Japanese Culture Center, and uh, it was just nice to have an evening out with my younger son. Younger, I say he's 23, but... For us to have a night together, and he, even though he didn't enjoy the movie, he thanked me for uh, taking him out, and that was good. And um, the night before, my dear cousin Dave, I used to refer to him as Cousin Zeke on the other show, to distinguish him from Cousin Abe, who lives out on the West Coast, and these are two very, very different cousins, but who I'm both very, very fond of, and very close to. They're roughly the same age. Uh, cousin Dave came out. And we spent the evening and then the entire next morning up until about one in the afternoon just talking. Talking about family, talking about our parents, talked about my father. Now, you know, if you've listened to this podcast uh, uh, not too long ago, I talked about my father, the one with the picture of the passport, and shared some of my questions and insights because Cousin Dave, uh, his mother, was my father's older sister. That's the connection. And uh, so to see if he had insights, and he he did, especially in regards to the war. And I think Dave's comment was something, your your dad would have been a perfect agent, you know, of of whatever it was he did during wartime. And he said, what you really have to do is Google Montreal Harbor and World War II, because clearly there was a spy ring and saboteurs within Canada. I did find some information, not a whole lot. And, of course, as I say, my father's role was classified, so I was not able to get any information yet. Um, But, I mean, they were... Canada's role was very important, as you know, if you know history, World War II history. It's very, very important to uh, the role they played in building the Corvettes, which, of course, would have been his shipyard. Uh, Marine Industries, I guess, or maybe Davies, I don't know which one, but they were building these ships to... uh, help the convoys get across to uh, supplying them with things and German submarines, U-boats were sitting in the the mouth of the St. Lawrence and they had schedules and dates and times of knowing which ships are coming out of which harbour and were able to torpedo quite a few 
Uh, and so I think it would have been the job of uh, Canadian agency, RCMP, I think in particular, uh, and maybe naval intelligence, whatever, to uh, to track down these people. Uh, I know many Germans were locked up, whether they were good guys or bad guys, they were German, and uh, uh, people felt just like the Japanese and the Japanese Canadians that they could not be trusted. Now, what's very interesting about this Look at my father's role, and maybe I'm making the connection because it just seems very logical, and, and I certainly have the support of Dave, who is a very learned man. That you know, he would have had something to do with investigating, whatever. I, you know, I, I'll try and find out more, and if I ever do, I will share it because I think it's interest. It's certainly interesting to me, and it says something about his character and my relationship to him. Uh, now, what I found interesting was, okay, so he was some connection to Germans and Germans and the locking the Germans up and so on. As we went through uh, the Japanese Canadian Culture Center Museum, the entire space was uh, dedicated to the redress movement and the issue of locking up Japanese, selling off their boats, their belongings, their homes, and putting them into camps during World War II, whether or not they were Canadian citizens. If they were Japanese, they could not be trusted again under the wartime thinking. Same thing that happened in America. And so uh, he was... Um, it, my son connects to that because he's, he's got a Japanese mother and Japanese heritage, so he's seeing this other... Seeing it from a different perspective, I don't know if you get what I'm talking about. And I know I'm not expressing it well, but I just find it all interesting. History, and that is a lot of what uh, Cousin Dave and I talked about. Now, Dave, uh, we I, I barbecued because it was the opening night of our new deck. So uh, I went and bought all kinds of goodies and slammed them on. My wife made a beautiful rice and scallop dish and salad. And... Dave talked about evolution, and and evolution is his touchstone and accounts for everything, and and was very much down on religion, which um, surprised my son, Daniel, uh, quite a bit. thought Dave was a little intolerant of religious beliefs, and it may come that way, but as you know, a lot of uh, people who... It's not about being an atheist, it's about being a a science-minded person, or a realist, or a humanist really don't have much patience with um, uh, maybe people who won't accept science I don't know but anyway he's he's just he looks at life and he reads the books of E.O. Wilson and Dawkins and everybody else uh, in depth as I say he's a, a smart and well educated man and talked in great detail about evolution and and, and what it means. And then we got on to my, my, where I jump into the conversation is how we've evolved to the point where our personalities have become very complex. So we're assuming earlier on in our evolution, the individual might have, you know, would have experienced fear and anxiety and, and uh, who knows, joy maybe, um, happiness, I guess, laughter, humor, uh, all those things. But we have become. I would say almost so much more fragile, so much more complex now with, I think, the advancement of our 
individual personalities. And I know I'm going out on a limb here, and then some people would might question this line, but it's to the point where, as we've left the caves, and for our advancement and for evolution to, you know, what, who knows what direction it's going on for us to, to keep on going, we have specialized, and so we talk about having you know, plumbers and, and brain specialists, and I'm not putting them at extremes of a, of a you know either end of a scale at all please uh, that's not what I mean I mean the range of people doing various jobs self-selecting uh, let's say scientists and teachers and, and artists and painters and poets and musicians and and layabouts like myself and, and you know the complete range, and, and we have to include in that the psychopaths and the killers and the brutal people and, and the people who want war and, and are full of hatred and so on. It's just this complexity that is necessary as the the genes recombine and create new ones. And, and Dave was talking about how interesting it is to look, look for the commonalities of, of what what does get passed on, what clusters, and so this is where I'm trying to equate if, uh, is it possible to find personality traits that actually are genetically coded and, and get passed on and, and we can we can understand that anxiety could be inherited or, or uh, a certain boldness or a, maybe a confidence and maybe some of these things can be passed on, but I, 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 look, I was taking myself as an example. I'm a record keeper. I mean, I was so proud of my 20 years of Dixon Jane's The Zine, and I look back on it now and think, wow, I actually did something with my life. I have a record that I needed to keep. And this podcast, and the one I just finished, the Dixon Jane's, and the one I'm doing now, it, it's, it's an attempt at a record of recording thoughts Recording the passage of time and and maybe exploring, as, I, as I'm trying very awkwardly to do right now, ideas. So personality. And I said that would be sort of one of the things this podcast will be about. What is it that makes us who we are? Why are we as complicated as we are? Uh, you know, is is a, a biological and evolutionary necessity, and are, how are we affected by by our these by corporations, the capitalist system, the the monetary economy, by by societal norms, by by groups, by by power hungry individuals to make us conform and fit in. I post that on my Facebook page. And if you're not a Facebook friend of me and you've heard this podcast, uh, contact me. Send an email to dicksonjanes, D-A-C-K-S-N-J-A-N-E-S at gmail.com or even kenbowl at rogers.com and say, hey, can I be your Facebook friend or whatever? If you're interested, I posted this wonderful thing by George Carlin on exactly that topic of the powers in position, how they want us to be dumbed down and robotic. And, and when you watch the advertising on television, and it's all about anxiety. 
your underarms are going to smell if you don't use this, and and you, you might have a leak, and it might show, and you don't. So you better have these adult diapers, so you can still be free, and your children will still love you. And the the horror of this monster, driven by the almighty dollar, to make you live in a state of anxiety and fear. To weaken your confidence, to, to weaken your, your, your sense of worthiness so that somebody can sell more, so that the economy can keep going, you know, so that you have the latest product, so you'll buy that car, so people will look at you and think you're special and successful. Oh my God, this is turning us into less than humans, and it's as if... And again, I, I go back to my, my love of people like Timothy Leary and Henry Miller and even the Beats who just say, hey, hey, don't be controlled. Be yourself. Be free. Explore. You know, find out who you want to be. Don't get sucked in or beaten down by all these societal so-called norms and rules and regulations and so that you have to wear these clothes and, and buy this and think this. Please, please, please. Now, of course, those of you listening to this podcast aren't like that, are you? You're already way beyond that. and uh, Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening. You'd be tuning into somebody who's telling you what to buy. So, I don't know. Does that any of that connect together? I, let me look at our time. 22 minutes. Uh, I think probably what I'll do, I'm, I'm recording also, I'm purposely recording on a Saturday before church. I am going to church tomorrow. My good friend uh, Brent, the Closet Geek, is also coming. And uh, John says he will eventually, and Cousin Dave said next time he's in Toronto staying with us on a uh, Sunday, he'll join me too. Um, so I think I'll, I'll end this. For what that was worth, I'll listen back and, and realize that, you know, I'd like, you always want to tie things up and hope that I've given you something that was worthwhile. I guess just to sum up what I'm talking about is the power of the individual and how important it is for the individual to remain an individual and not be beaten down or, or reduced to a state of anxiety and fear and so on. Uh, to be yourself, to have the strength it takes to uh, be whoever you are, whatever your DNA has made you. Uh, of course, get beyond it. If you're a person who lives in anxiety and fear, try and overcome it, please. Or you, you might have a very miserable existence. Um, but celebrate, celebrate your uniqueness. I guess that's the more important message. We are unique. We have to be. It's a whole purpose of evolution. It's just to keep creating just another throw of the dice, you know, and, and mix it up and another combination of sperm and egg. And, and these things get passed on, and the successful ones will procreate and pass on those genes. And, and the message Dave always makes that I'm not always fully able to grasp is the fact that we are alive now means we are a continuous stream of successful what is it, DNA molecules or, or, or the genes that, that were passed on successfully and those that aren't have died off now of course that doesn't account for the, those who have their head cut off or get shot in the head during a war 
Um, all right, let's let's leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you, geez. Can I not put a nicer ending to it? Well, maybe a song will fix it up. Yeah, I'll find a song and that'll uh, that'll put an end to it. So uh, this is not over yet. Uh, there'll be another clip probably tomorrow or Monday or whatever, and uh, then you'll hear this again. So this is Ken signing off, and uh, thanks for tuning in, and thank you all those people who have sent me good wishes and say they do enjoy the show. Uh, I need that, and I, I can almost, almost promise that it will continue to get better, or at least it'll be more fun for me. Yeah, that's what I'll promise. Ken, you're going to have more, more and more fun doing this till you're in a really happy place again. All right, bye for now. Poor people are poor people and they don't understand. A man's got to make whatever he wants and take it with his own hands. Poor people stay poor people and they never get to see. Someone's got to win in the human race If it isn't you, then it has to be me So smile while you're making it Laugh while you're taking it Even though you're faking it Nobody's gonna know Nobody's gonna know No use mumbling It's no use grumbling, life just isn't fair. There's no easy days, there's no easy ways. Just get out there and do it. And sing and sing your song. Laugh while you're getting on. Smile and strangle. Nobody's gonna know Nobody's gonna know And nobody's gonna It's a new day, a new park. Monday, June 15th. I'm in Rosa McLean um, Gardens Park. Absolutely beautiful spot. Right here on overlooking uh, Lake Ontario. Just along Kingston Road. You dip down a little and uh, it's huge. And, and I'm surrounded in these beautiful trees, flowers everywhere. It's a great, great spot to uh, to visit. And never too busy, you know. Well, maybe on the weekends it fills up, but... Uh, not on a weekday, it's Monday. And I should warn you that this clip may end suddenly. As soon as the phone rings, I'm off. But uh, first I need a sip. Mm, 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 mm. Tim Horton's iced coffee, $1, including a hazelnut flavor shot. 
It's really, really good. I've been looking forward to this one. Um, lots of things I want to talk about. And some things I want to talk about but won't. The one I won't talk about is feelings of inferiority. This bad habit I have of comparing myself to others. When I see somebody doing something really well or know of something they've done that's been great or even their children have done... You know, it's, it's like that Facebook syndrome, except the syndrome existed long before Facebook. Needlessly comparing yourself to somebody else or looking at their achievements and then weighing them against yours and then feeling bad, feeling, shit, I, I couldn't do that. And, ah, oh, he's better, she's better. And it's a ridiculous thing. There's absolutely no need. We all have our particular talents and areas where we shine. You know, everybody's special. Um... But I get into that. Uh, I was at the Japanese Culture Center, and the director happens to be a friend of mine, Canadian. Uh, And everything he does, he's doing really, really well. Now, I wouldn't want to be that person. They're very different from me. I'm I'm happy being who I am, or maybe happy is not the right word, but accepting of being who I am. But still, he got up and he made a speech to the audience in Japanese, and he really put together a film festival, which I am going to talk about. Um, and I'd had uh, supper with him just a couple of weeks ago. He's the one who comped me the tickets uh, for this thing and, and film festival. It's, it's a wonderful thing held at the Japanese-Canadian Culture Center, if you're from Toronto. Um, and that, that's just one example of, of me sitting there running myself down and start looking back at my whole life. Anyway, that's what we're not going to talk about because it's such a stupid thing and it's such a needless thing and I really don't know why I do it and I don't know uh, what brings it on, you know. These have ups and downs, I suppose. Uh, But I did go see a movie called Vancouver Asahi, the Vancouver Asahi, and that was a Japanese baseball team who became famous during the 30s, 1930s, out in Vancouver. Um, They were the children mostly of Japanese immigrants and they came over and this was a time of racial discrimination in Canada which we know about of through the Chinese, the Japanese, anybody Asian, anybody Indian you know, the people were just uh, the white majority had their biases uh, leading up to uh, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor 1941 uh, the Canadian government taking away all their boats, all their homes all their belongings, saying pack one suitcase you're out of here and uh, putting them in internment camps for the duration of the war, whether or not they were Japanese or Canadian-born. And uh, with that, that's a piece of Canadian history. I think I've mentioned it before. That's how the movie ended, and that was the end of the Asahi baseball team. But prior to that, 1930s, they couldn't compete against these big white guys, you know, with, who could bat the hell out of a ball and hit it out of the park and, you know, pitch so damn hard they could knock you out if they hit you. Um, so they had to play what they called brain ball, a faster, smarter game where they would they would use bunting and then run because they could run fast and steal bases and and learn the other team's weaknesses and so on. So it was you know in, in ending with them winning the championship, but really the subtext was it was again it was about prejudice and about how people were treated differently because of who they were and the language they spoke and it was sort of I guess it almost accepted in the day. And I thought about that throughout the movie, of course, and the fact that I married in Japan, I have kids of, uh, you know, 
part of Japanese ancestry uh, who are not uh, treated differently here because Canada has since in that time become a multicultural country and society and we we are we are open now there's still people who you know and I'm sure if you visit some smaller towns in Canada or even bigger cities you will still find you don't have to look too hard to find racists but uh, generally speaking it's not acceptable and you just have to go into any school any workplace and see that wow things have changed and for the better now I thought that today when I went out to lunch I was uh, out getting some errands done for my tour and found a place that seemed to be all Sri Lankan or Indian. I don't always know the difference. The, uh, the, I'm pretty sure these were Sri Lankans, but they had a special, $4 lunch special, chicken and rice and dal. And I thought, I, I was really hungry. Why not, you know? So got that and a couple of extras, you know. And just generally speaking, had a nice encounter with somebody. Not a lot of words spoken, but smiles exchanged, and him agreeing, yes, the dal was a better choice to go with the rice. And it was very pleasant, and it just made me realize how far we have come from those days, from the 1930s, you know, and 1940s, when this was accepted. And, and even, I'd say, from the 50s, when I grew up in an all-white, middle-class world pretty well at our school, where, as I say, they even segregated the Catholics and the Protestants, the French, the English, you know, and there was an economic separation. You had to be, have a decent enough job to live in Western Lachine, to have a house, so um, it's it's a new world. I guess we're done with that. I don't think there's any, anything more I need to say about it. Uh, the reason, did I tell you, the reason why I'm in this park now? drinking my, enjoying so much my Tim Hortons, is because my poor little pussycat, Yuki, is at the vet. I have an arrangement with uh, my owner of the pet store. Uh, vet prices are outrageous. We have to have her spayed. She was a stray. I did take her in. And I was quoted like $550 or something ridiculous. Thought, hey, come on now. That, that's just over the top. This happens to be a cat hospital here in Scarborough. But anyway, uh, my friend has another cat that had to go in and said, look, I'll take them in. I have a better rate because she's a pet store owner and rescues stray cats and so on. So that's a little bit of a help. I guess the point I want to say there, felt very, I felt very bad pushing Yuki into this little travel box, you know, this little carrier that she did not want to be in. Um, I am so in love with that cat. And it's it's very strange. You have to be a cat person to start with, I think, and, and many of us are. But there is a special bond. And I know the same is true of owners and their dogs. You know, I'm not arguing the point. It's just cats are a different animal. And the way this cat just looks at me with those beautiful gold eyes against the white fur, I just melt. I just, oh, my God. And it's as if she's opened up a part of my heart that's been closed or hardened. And it's, I guess, a time in my life when it's really nice for me to have a have a cat and to soften a little bit and uh, not be afraid to show some of my feelings and my emotion. Well, that wasn't very interesting, any of that, was it? 
I wanted to finish this off because I don't think I told you, but on Wednesday, I'm getting up early in the morning, before 5, to catch a, uh, an early morning train to Ottawa, where I'm going to be picked up and have a wonderful uh, familiarization tour of the Outaouais region. The Outaouais is other side of Ottawa, the uh, Quebec side, and staying at two lovely hotels. One's a casino, I think another is a fancy place. All meals, all excursions, everything included, the way I do for my summer students, because I am, uh, in effect, a tour operator. And so uh, I finally earned the rights for a nice little two-night, three-day vacation in in, uh, Ottawa, in places I haven't been to before. So uh, that's kind of exciting. So that meant today I cranked it up a little bit and tried to get a little extra work done. I'm still feeling that terrible, terrible feeling. By the way, have you noticed how this is becoming more of a journal, the way Dixon Jeans used to be, and less of a uh, podcast about topics, a focused, you know, on one item thing? Hmm. It's kind of happening on its own. Now, where were we before I sidetracked? Yeah, this is so today, yes, trying to get things done, and I'm still short six placements for my host families. I still need families that will take in six of our girls, like, you know, one or two at a time. And uh, when that's done, I can breathe easy, but until then, knowing these girls are coming, it's like an immovable force. It's coming. It's just a matter of time, and within this space of six weeks, I have to find a good host family for each of those students. I'm partway there. I got 26 out of 32 done, but man, those last few are always, always, always such a challenge, and it's just ooh, sometimes I wonder if it's worth attention, and then when everything comes and everything works out and I'm up at Bark Lake sitting in the water, watching these girls frolic, playing beach volleyball, or laughing and playing in the in the water of the beautiful lake when we have our beach party and I feel wow this is truly truly wonderful so don't worry I will take you on the tour the way I used to take the Dixon Jane's listeners on the tour I think this will become as you've already seen less and less focused a little more relaxed a little case of sorry this is just my story and uh, that's what you're getting if you're looking for news headlines go elsewhere If you're looking for a particular topic, like, uh, you know, how to improve your IQ, go elsewhere. But if you want to just come along on a little voyage of friendship and a little window into somebody's life, you're in the right place. Oh, yeah. Ah, sound getting near the end of this. So I I guess I'm going to end it there. I wanted, there's, I know there was other points as soon as I hang up. Uh, I'm always aware of things. Oh, damn, I should have told them that. Oh, that part. Um, I know there's something about my father again. That's a, that's going to be a recurring theme. My own role as a father. Huh, one thought today. I mean, I traveled in my youth and did my fair share and certainly very happy about that and had a variety of experiences all over the place. But I was thinking today... After I ate that lunch, you know, it all ties together, hmm, at this uh, little, uh, you know, place selling, you know, cheap lunches, um, that I don't know how much more travel... I don't know if I'm really up to trekking through 
India, eating in little stalls the way I would have in my youth, you know, taking a risk of deli belly and, uh, you know, I'm afraid, I'm very much afraid that I'm closer and closer to the age when I'd just like to join a tour and have somebody else do all the hassling for me and and just join the group and go to nice places, but have somebody else. I just don't know that I have the energy, the strength uh, to do all the negotiating and the looking up. You know, I mean, real travel can be exhausting. There is that always been that difference between travel and vacation. And it's not that I want a vacation mode where I just go on a beach or sit in a boat and uh, be served. I want some adventure. I want to see things. But I just don't want all the hassle. And uh, I think that's a sign of just getting... Excuse me. A little older. A little more tired. Um, and just ready to uh, take it easy. So, that's the end of that. Didn't get the phone call. So, uh, I've got time. I'm uh, just going to head back to my car. Grab my Pierre Burton book and read a little more of that until... Uh, so it's time to pick up Pussycat. All right. Sun is out. Barbecuing tonight on our new deck. Oh, how I love it. And uh, stuff to do tomorrow. But I think I'm off. I think I've done enough for today. I think I've done enough for today. And that's kind of a good feeling. All right. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye for now. I'm fixing a hole where the rain gets in And stops my mind from wandering Where it will go I'm filling the cracks that ran through the door And kept my mind from wandering Where it will go
Okay. This is uh, this is just a PS. Um, I thought about this when I got home and realized maybe the little anecdote I'm about to tell you might tie more of this podcast together. I on the way here to Buffers Park, I listened to the previous episode about the pretty shells and god what a snooze fest I, I really am sorry I mean that was just plain dull and boring and um I've, I've got to do a little better I, honestly I may need the help of the Scarborough dude just to up my game a little some guy who's less inhibited a little wilder a little stupider a little crazier than uh sensible Ken here anyway um I mentioned sometimes on, you'll see something on Facebook and, or just in real life amongst your friends and you compare yourself. Well, lately there's been a hell of a lot of posts on Facebook about people's successes and all the wonderful things. And I, 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 it's bugging me. And I know you, it shouldn't, but I, I also know that it affects other people as well, you know. Because we're not seeing the low points. People are only posting the good shit, you know. Hey, wow, look what I've done. Look what my children have done. And it can get to you. And it's getting to me. All right? So I'm going to park that because um, I'm going to come back and realize that I do some things in life, too, that, that I don't always post or brag about. And that I've got to do a better job of, of accepting myself for my own successes, as humble as they may be. Case in point, uh, several years ago, when we had our PAB conference, this used to be, this was called Podcasters Across Borders. And it was a really very, very good conference, a gathering together of uh, Canadians and Americans. We met in Kingston, Ontario at the start, moved on to Ottawa later on, went on for Oh, I don't know, maybe eight, seven, eight, nine years, maybe? I don't know. Um, seven years, maybe. I don't know. I'll be corrected by some historian out there. It doesn't matter. Um, at one of the events in Kingston, we had a man called Joey Taylor come as, as sort of like a, a keynote speaker. And Joey brought with him his guitar. And it was the first time I'd ever met Joey or heard about heard about this guitar voyageur now you can google it i'll post a link if you just look up six string nations and the story of that guitar is truly amazing we were spellbound it's incredible basically it's a guitar made up of pieces of wood representing canadian history um and it's a beautiful thing to look at and it's been given and it's traveled the country as, as like a living museum. It's very, very unique. If you don't know the story, it's a fabulous story. It's a living museum. It goes to schools and festivals. Uh, famous people have played it. And there are the pieces of wood are made up of bits and pieces of Canadian history. I, the one off the top of my head, uh, a piece of the paddle of Pierre Elliott Trudeau, our best prime minister uh, who loved nature and the outdoors. Um, and everything else has a story. Now, when I met Joey for the first time, I said, where is the piece of Canadian, Japanese Canadian history? Because that is part of the story, and it, I don't see it there. And, and you, there's, a, there's a, a book, a website, you can, you can sort of click on every piece of the guitar and find out the story of each item that went into the making of it. 
And Joy said, there wasn't one. I tried to contact Joy Kogawa, and that's the person I was thinking of. There was a tree still living uh, by her house in Vancouver. She wrote Obasan and is a, is a Japanese-Canadian with a story to tell, an author well-known here in Toronto. And he said, they never responded. They never got back to me. And from that time on, I thought, wow, it needs something. It needs something to represent the Japanese-Canadian community. But the guitar was already built, so it was too late. You can't just tack on a piece of wood. So I said, well, maybe in my case, and in, within the case, there's starting to be bits of fabric of different pieces. So I made it a personal mission to have something. At this time, I was still president of the Canada-Japan Society. I made it a personal mission to have something uh, of Japanese-Canadian history with traveling with this guitar. Now, I'm going to read from uh, his website, because back in last year, in August, August 10th, 2014, I was away on my trip through Colorado around that time, but at that time there was a special celebration, and Joey was saying he wanted to have something that reflected our sports and also something that represented, I'll read here, I wanted to somehow reflect the Japanese-Canadian community that had suffered so terribly during the Second World War when families were removed from their homes, primarily in Vancouver. Now remember, this is connecting to uh, the movie I saw, the Vancouver Asahi, earlier on in this podcast, and dispersed to internment camps around B.C. and some other provinces. My first thought was to try to get some material from the famed cherry tree, a.k.a. Naomi's tree, at the historic Joy Kagawa House in Vancouver. Again, I reached out through official channels in BC, but didn't receive any reply. Presumably, it was a small and busy organization that would not have known who I was or what I was trying to accomplish. Fair enough. Over time, I largely forgot about those two regrettable omissions from the project. But with the help of six-string nation fan Ken Bowl, let it be me, a podcaster, Japanophile, and volunteer at the Canada-Japan Society, we revived the idea of some contribution from the Japanese-Canadian community. And after several meetings with the Japanese-Canadian Cultural Center in Toronto, we came up with something that would recognize both the community and an important part of Canadian baseball history in one fell swoop. At a special pregame ceremony on the field at Rogers Centre in Toronto today, Toronto Blue Jays help us mark this very special contribution before, hopefully, making short work of the Detroit Tigers. All right, so what it was, was a piece of a shirt from that very same team, the Vancouver SIE. They were able to cut off, a, an artisan was able to take out a piece and attach it to the guitar strap and all I did was bring Joey into the JCC took him out to lunch, talked about it brought him into the JCCC, introduced him to somebody from the Heritage Commission and my friend James Heron and let it go from there and they followed up and they agreed it was a great idea I helped plant and nourish that seed and today, forevermore there is a piece of an Asahi baseball uniform on Joey's guitar on the strap so there you go I feel good and I like the way it uh, actually ties together a few things um, 
You can read this. Again, I'll post a link, uh, a link uh, about the wonderful um, little contribution. Contributed material has been has been securely mounted prominently on the front side of Voyager's levy guitar strap, just beneath the Six String Nation logo. And the jersey is now on display at the JCCC. So, there you go. That's something I did. In the background, not bragging about, not saying, hey, hey, look at me. I couldn't be there for the ceremony and put myself forward. But I wasn't. My job was just to, uh, to accomplish that little thing. And uh, I'm kind of proud of that. So, there you go. I hope... Uh, <laughs> I hope you think, oh, wow, Ken. Gee, that was great. Isn't that neat? Thank you. Wow. All right. We'll leave it there. And uh, we'll close this off now. Uh, I'm off for uh, the Utaway tomorrow, so uh, I'm going to post this today. Ken, signing off from Bluffers Park once again. Bye for now. Malaika, nakupende malaika. Malaika, nakupende malaika. Namini fanyeye, itwa na mwenzio. Na shindwa la malise na we, ninge kuwa Malaika, 